Welcome to Tigerpaw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology-driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tigerpaw Radio, exploring channel convergence, one stripe at a time. Well, hi everybody, Wes McDonald here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of TigerTube. And if you can't see me and our guest today, that means you're actually listening to us on Tiger Paw Radio. So thank you for listening. Uh, really excited about today's episode. Uh, one of the things that I'm a, a big fan of, obviously, is marketing, uh, particularly in social platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook. I've been using these platforms for a lot of years, uh, mostly with uh, social content, but also more recently looking at using these platforms with B2B paid advertising. And fortunately, I've brought an expert in today and as is my habit on this show, I like to let my guests introduce themselves. So without further ado, uh, E.L. Katz, maybe you can introduce yourself or audience today. Sure, so uh, thanks, Wes. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on, uh, on this podcast. Um, so yeah, so basically I run a small um, digital B2B marketing agency called MVP Grow. Um, I usually work with uh, tech companies, uh, B2B tech companies, who are trying to, um, you know, who are trying to get uh, generate leads from other software companies or from large organizations, medium-sized organizations, and sometimes small businesses as well. What they all have in common is that they're all B two B tech companies. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's a little bit about me professionally. And one small thing you may not know about me is that for years before I entered this business, I was a uh, I was a crew member on super yachts. So oh. I used to work on uh, the yachts of the very rich and not so famous, the people who prefer to remain uh, anonymous. But uh, as Shaquille O'Neal, I think, once said it, there's uh, rich and then there's wealthy. So these these are the really wealthy uh, people. Um, so yeah, I got to spend a few years uh, working on their boats and uh, it was good fun. You know, one of the things, uh, you know, working with uh, managed service providers and other technology uh, solution providers like I do, um, I find that they often struggle with whether they should hire more salespeople uh, or invest in more in marketing. They really don't, uh, you know, always know which direction to go. And then you add the complexity of add, you know, uh, paid social B2B, right? So maybe you could just talk for a few minutes about the real value of B2B marketing, uh, particularly on platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook. So yeah, right now, especially in 2021, a lot of uh, marketing has gone online, um, even more so than it was before. I think what we're seeing a lot of is that industries that were typically more localized, more offline, you know, more of a face-to-face type business have gone online and found out that, you know, the beast is not that scary. It's really not that hard to do online advertising especially nowadays as the platforms become more and more automated. Yeah. Um, and it is really easy to get off the ground and get started with, uh, with paid advertising. And then once you scale it up and you're starting to see, you know, early successes or you want to scale it up a little bit faster is usually where companies like mine uh, come in. Um, where it comes to, you know, like um, if you're trying to make a budgetary decision, if you're looking at should I you know increase my sales team or should I invest that money into b2b marketing my answer is as any uh, good consultant would tell you it depends um so basically it really depends on where your company is at 
And if you have a company that's been around for a while, that pretty much knows what it's doing and has a pretty good funnel and knows how to, uh, their sales team knows how to take a lead that comes in, whether it comes in organically, you know, through word of mouth or something like that. And they know how to close it. You know, they know what they're doing. In that case, I would not necessarily hire more salespeople, but when you have something like that already built in, you basically have an engine just waiting for lead generation. The easiest, you know, the lowest hanging fruit is through digital marketing, because that's where you can get a lot more leads at the lowest cost, you know, especially when you think about the cost of having, you know, additional headcount and stuff like that. Um, obviously, this is going to be lower than that. Um, so, so yeah, so you bring in um, leads digitally. And if the salespeople are, you know, very uh, knowledgeable, if they've had some experience selling your products, um, and then then that should be a no-brainer. That should definitely be, if you're looking to scale up, that should be your next um, that should be your next channel. Does you know an MSP or IT provider have to outspend others? Because this is one thing that confuses even me on this whole idea of B two B marketing, right? That when we're paying for it, is that does deeper pockets always mean you know bigger returns, right? So, you know, most managed service providers and actually I'll say managed IT providers, you know, their businesses are running, you know, revenues anywhere from a million to $5 million a year. Uh, MSP is obviously larger than that, maybe five to $20 million a year. Um, but always thinking about that spend in a proportion of their revenue. And as you mentioned earlier, some of these larger companies that are playing in that space, right? So, you know, for them, are there ways for them to increase their visibility without necessarily breaking the bank? Yeah, so it's like, I, you know, yeah, we did talk about this earlier, and I think it's a really interesting topic because what I like about MSPs, MSSPs, IT service providers is that, you know, it's um, there's the whole analogy of red ocean and blue ocean, red ocean being products that are in demand that are that have a, a pretty rigid demand uh, for their services, you know, um, and blue ocean are products where you need to generate demand. That's the whole demand generation, um, aspect of it. And the difference between demand generation and lead generation is one, you don't need to do that. You can start much lower in your sales funnel. You don't need to educate, uh, people as to what are it services. Whereas I work with a lot of tech companies and I work with a lot of startups and they're not usually in that, uh, situation they're in a situation where they need to educate their audiences you know it's part of their dna they have to be innovative right that's how they raised all this money so they have all these they have deep pockets but to get those deep pockets they have to show that you know they're kind of like out there you know they're the future they're what's going to happen in four years but then you have a buyer a b2b buyer who's like look i have this problem i need to solve right now and it's the same problem i've had for years and it's probably not going to change so this is really nice what you're offering it's really interesting and you know i will get to it at some point you know asterisk COVID kind of changed things around but still um but there still are the same old issues as before just made a sense of urgency as to the new issues um so yeah so that's where it service providers msps mssps to some degree they're a little bit newer on the block but still when you compare it to tech products you know they're still uh, they still have more of a rigid demand um so so yeah so they have that opportunity that when they spend they can spend it much more wisely they should spend it very wisely because again they don't have all this money coming in from vcs they need to show direct roi to every dollar being spent which is the disadvantage and that's why it's hard to compete with the tech companies um, who are sometimes competing for that same icp the ideal customer persona they have the same one 
and it's sometimes even competing on that same line item, especially with MSPs. Um, but this is where MSPs can win in that going after, if they go after, you know, the stuff that's their bread and butter and the stuff that is less interesting to the innovative, uh, what, you know, the tech companies who are looking to be the next unicorn, that's where they can probably find success. And I do work with also with, uh, with MSPs and MSSPs specifically, uh, managed security service providers for, for those who aren't familiar, um, then, and where we see uh, success is in doing stuff like Google ads. We see a lot of success compared to tech companies. And the reason is that Google ads is a platform that is based on intent. You have a buyer looking for a solution they're searching for it in Google, and then your ad comes up. Um, and if you are able to offer that specific solution, um, then you know, you're know you pretty much in a situation where you have a buyer who's, who's looking for something, there is demand, and you just need to offer the solution, which is great. You don't need to, again, educate. You're not creating a new category of software or anything like that. Um, and that's where I see um, IT service providers and MSPs being able to get direct ROI for their investment, and that allows you to be smart. So I still think that you know you should invest, but obviously when you're building a um when you're building a business that is not backed by VC money, where you basically um you have to be very efficient with how you spend it. Yeah, I like this concept of uh red ocean versus blue ocean, right? And I know that even with a lot of the providers that I work with, when you mentioned um, you know, managed software security services that a lot of uh, people in the managed IT space is starting to diversify their services. So they're offering cybersecurity or um, some, in some cases, even uh, going after things like physical alarm and security. And that maybe for them, that part of their portfolio, because it's new would be that blue ocean, right? Where they may have to invest a little heavier, whereas the stuff that they're known for and that most people are consuming, well, maybe that's their red ocean, right? I really yeah. love, love that concept. No, exactly. And, and I would do like, you know, if you have your budget, maybe put 20% out to the, you know, that new stuff that you want to explore, that uh, new market that you want to uh, introduce yourself to. And the rest of the 80% just focus on uh, on your bread and butter. And it and I would definitely, when you want to, when you, if you're going into digital marketing for the first time, or if you're trying to expand into a new market, do the research first. This is how you do very efficient um, digital marketing and a very effective budget. I wouldn't jump in and say like, all right, we need to do digital. So let's just do digital. Here's, you know, 10,000, here's 20,000, here's 30,000 bucks a month. Let's, let's see what it can get us back. That would be not the best strategy. Um, I would start by first figuring out, you know, like this is our, what is our ideal customer persona? And what do they care about? You know, talk to them, talk to your customers, tell them like, you know, like what are the stuff you're, what, what kind of, uh, that's the advantages that you have as being around for a while, as opposed to the startups who have very few customers or none, you kind of already know what these people are looking for. You, and you can talk to them because you have relationships built, you have customers. So, you know, like ask them what they're interested in, ask them what their five-year plan is, or just, yes, you know, and there's also other ways of just um, doing research and better understanding um, where you can expand um, to in a cost-effective way. Yeah, I really like that. And uh, that's good advice. So, you know, partitioning off a certain amount of money for those newer efforts and uh, really investing in sort of the bread and butter, you know, services, right? And the other thing I caught there, maybe I'm wrong, you can correct me if I am, um, but that, you know, we have these different reasons for uh, advertising on something like LinkedIn versus 
um, you know, Google, right? And, and I was thinking about myself, typically when I'm on Google, um, it's because I have a problem that I haven't quite figured out how to solve yet, right? Yeah. I know I have a problem, but I don't really know what the answer is. Um, so yeah. I go to Google for that. Um, but on LinkedIn, oftentimes, if I'm looking for uh, some expertise on something I already know about, like cybersecurity or like something else, then I will use that as an avenue to get those answers because I kind of already know what I'm looking for, right? So, yeah. No, absolutely. That's a great point because, and what I take from what you said right now is, so if you know what your customers or your ideal customer personas problems are, then you can target that on Google with your solution. So if you have that knowledge, then you're already in a better position than most. And that's how you can be effective on Google. On LinkedIn, like you said, if you're looking for expertise, you're looking to gain knowledge, you're not it's not the same intent as Google. This is probably where content, as we say, you know, a lot of marketing people say content is king. It's especially true in the context of social media, social media being also a kind of king in digital marketing. So when you combine the two, that's where people go to consume content. It's really hard to do bottom funnel type of calls to action on places like LinkedIn, places like Facebook, it's possible, but I would more recommend that in those platforms, you create content that is around, you know, uh, your ideal customer persona, the pains that they're feeling, you know, the uh, and 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 you know, and provide them content that will really help them educate and, um, and gain knowledge. And then you introduce them into your sales funnel. You know, you nurture them in. Um, you create additional touch points once they've downloaded that piece of content um and uh, and ready them you know nurture them for your sales team um until they're ready to to be approached by a salesperson yeah and i can certainly recommend for all our viewers and listeners to make sure that you actually go out and google you know el cats and that's how i found you and it was actually through a piece of uh, literature and educational uh, pieces many that you had done and i was really impressed because you know let's face facts i kind of do the same thing i write a lot of social content and helpful content so when i run across stuff that uh, is not just the ordinary, is not the average, then, um, then I want to talk to that person. And, and that's how I discovered you and wanted to get in touch with you is by reading your content. So for our listeners, uh, for those that are viewing, make sure you do check out uh, what he's writing about uh, on Google, check him out on LinkedIn, um, because it will really help uh, even far beyond sort of what we're doing today in this conversation, right? Um, I also, uh, the thing I love about this whole idea of social selling is that I did send a couple of things that you would talk to me about in our pre-interview, um, about how uh, the organization that I do work for might be able to do some, you know, cool things with their website and other areas that I hadn't thought of before, right? So already got some gears in motion for, you know, some solutions for those yeah. kinds of things. Social selling, I feel, and uh, I know because so many of my clients do it, it's really, you know, you mentioned paid social, which is one avenue of social selling. Um, there's also others around outreach and how you use LinkedIn to connect with um, your ideal customer persona in a smart way, in an engaging way, in a non-spammy way. It's a whole art form that's kind of like a science as well, as there's a lot of data involved. So it's super interesting and it's definitely uh, the wave of the future for, um, for, B, for B2B marketing and sales. I love it. Hey, um, moving on to another question. So you've got quite a bit of experience from the past uh, yourself in technology related businesses, right? Not just uh, uh, being on uh, ships for rich people. <laughs> what advice would you give to technology solution providers that are trying in some way to measure their success, right? Because I, I found that's always a, a difficult thing in the social world is, 
is kind of using those advertising dollars or content or anything else and actually getting measurement out of it, right? So any advice there on how they might be able to, you know, easier do that or better do that? It's a tough one. And it's definitely a concern when it comes to, you know, small to medium businesses where, as we say, you know, every dollar counts and you want to, you want to be um, super ROI driven. So my advice there would be when you run lead generation campaigns, whether it's on LinkedIn, Google, Facebook, I don't care, Reddit, it, it can be any platform. That stuff is really measurable performance. They don't call it performance marketing for nothing. It's because it is really measurable. So, you know, you can create, uh, if you want to be techie about it, you can create dashboards, you can, um, you know, you can have a CRM that brings in all the data into one place and has sophisticated attribution models, depending if the person started on Google, then went to LinkedIn, the other way around, do you then give it uh, a 50% to Google, 50% to LinkedIn attribution, do you do a first touch, there's a whole, um, there's a whole science to it. Um, and it's not that hard to do. You can do it. And this is usually where agencies like mine come in because it's not hard to do, but there is a technical element to it. Um, and what you can, but that being said, I'm not sure that you have to, when you start off, when you start off, it's really about just, you know, very, very simple metrics, like how much money are we spending? How many leads are we getting? And you should know relatively easily where the leads are coming from. The platforms should be able to report, you know, all these platforms are really set up for this. So if you go to the campaign manager um, user interface in LinkedIn, uh, in Google and Facebook, wherever it is, they will have, you know, this is how much money you spent. This is how many impressions you got. This is how many clicks and this is how many leads and this is how much each lead cost. And you can even, you know, like download an Excel with all the leads that you have. Um, so to start off, it's pretty simple where it gets complicated is once you have a lot of leads, but that's a good problem to have, right? So once you have all these leads and you're like, oh man, there's so many campaigns and they went through this campaign and touched that campaign. And there's dozens of these with different attribution models. That's, you know, you, you want that problem. That's not a, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. And that might be another uh, interview down the road, right? Is what to do with all those leads. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a big one. That's, and, and that goes back to my first point originally. So if you have if you have a sales team and again, you've been around for a little bit and they know what they're doing, they should be able to take those leads and, you know, and move them further down the funnel. If that's not yet the case, if you're really just starting off as a business, if you're just an entrepreneur and, you know, and and you haven't really um, gotten your first uh, your first clients or you don't even have a, a sales team in place, I would probably go and do that first. So you don't like start generating leads and then there isn't nothing to do with them because you're not getting your money back, obviously. Yeah. And I, I think that is a very common problem, actually, especially for managed IT providers when they're starting out, is that sometimes they start accidental businesses, right? They become quite successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, somebody that they know, um, you know, says to them, oh, I could really use some help with this. I hear that you're good at this and kind of starts off as a side hustle. And then they start getting so many of those yeah, side yeah. hustles that they now they have to do it full time and they are the salesperson and you know the person delivering the services right so yeah really no, i know product. i'm the same i started out as a side hustle and that kind of ballooned and i'm the worst at doing my own marketing i do <laughs> uh i think i do a pretty good job for my clients but i do a terrible job for myself um and it's hard because you do grow and um and then it's it's hard to find that point where you say all right this is the point where i'm probably going to need to invest in my own marketing 
Um, and you feel it, you know, when it, you know, when it's, you know, when it's time as, as, as a business owner, you know, that's, that's probably the, the truest statement I can say. You just know, you just know when it's the right time. Yeah. It's that business gut instinct. Right. And I, yeah. uh, I giggle a bit when you talk about sort of the idea that you, you know, do better for your customers than yourself. I'm the same. And it goes back to the old adage of the uh, shoe cobbler's kids, right? That's exactly. all the ones with holes. In their shoes. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. Hey, listen, uh, we're getting to the stage of the interview now where it's really uh, any final words. So, you know, if you had any advice for people out there that were looking to get their, you know, feet wet and start finding some success with growing their business with uh, B2B advertising and marketing, what would that be? So I like to give like really actionable advice if I can. And my best advice would be to start with Google. Um, this is, you know, like if, if you want to get like a gauge of um, what your target audience, what your total addressable market is, just Google your services. Use a, an SEO tool, the search engine optimization tools like Ahrefs is the one I use, SEMrush, there's a ton of them, keywords everywhere. What they basically do is you plug in a keyword, like let's say you do um, security operations center as a service, let's say you do, um, I don't know what, um, any kind of IT service, and just Google and see how much search volume there is for it. And if it's over, I'll just throw a benchmark, if it's over like 500 searches a month, then you probably have a good, you, you have a viable, um, volume to build a digital lead generation machine on. And that's also true then for social media, because, you know, it's the same people, people are searching for it on Google. They're going to want to get educated on it on LinkedIn. So it's just a good place to kind of like start and better understand, you know, where, you know, what you should start with. And if, it, and if the SOC as a service is too small, try something else, try one of your other services until you find something that's large enough and then take that insight and then also use it on LinkedIn and, and, and everywhere else. Well, that's great. And uh, we always love actionable advice, uh, certainly as a piece of advice, and I'm sure people were taking notes. So Al, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy day. I know it's uh, the afternoon or evening for you uh, to help uh, both our listeners and our viewers to uh, start uh, growing their business in new ways with uh, B2B advertising. So thank you. Thank you very much, Wes. It was, uh, it was really fun having uh, being on your podcast, and I hope to uh, come again. Yeah, like I said, I think we've got a future episode uh, what right. to do with all those leads. So for all of our <laughs> listeners and for all of those that have watched the program today, I cannot thank you enough. Make sure you check out the resources page at tigerpod.com for additional learning content. And until next time, keep learning. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more great learning content to help you grow your business, please be sure to visit www.tigerpod.com and click on the resources tab. You can also subscribe to your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.